Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Brainosaur presents the Weekday Warriors of And hello, everybody, and welcome to the Weekday Wars of Wrestling for June 20th, uh, 2017. I'm Eric Clancy, joined by Mr. Patrick Kelly. We have been off the air for quite some time. Uh, I have have a new job. It is taking up a lot of my time, but we have some time this week, so that's always good. How are you doing, pal? Doing great, man. Looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. So, um... Uh, so we had Raw last night. We had Money in the Bank the night before. Um, uh, and we had the big reveal at the end of the night, which I just actually, I saw most of the show, but I didn't see the end, um, which was the uh, Big Cass Enzo Amore breakup. Um, I guess that's the most notable thing from the show, uh, with the exception of maybe Braun Strowman. Um, what did you think of this main segment, uh, Patrick? I thought um, overall the performances were very good. I thought Cass came across really, really well. Um, it wasn't that much of a shock because, honestly, the minute Enzo got attacked, I knew it's like Cass did it. I knew exactly where they were going with it. Um, but, yeah, I thought the individual segment itself came off really, really well. I'm just concerned that, you know, thinking long-term, are they going to have plans for Enzo and Cass? Or are they going to work as single guys? That's because, especially Enzo, because I really think without the team, he's not going to have anything to do. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you on most all of that. Um, You know, I I think people have been clamoring for a breakup for a while, but what a lot of people don't realize is the fact that both these guys need each other tremendously. I mean, Enzo can't really work, but he's great on the mic. Cass can work, but... He's not particularly good on the mic, although tonight he was better. Um, I, would, I wouldn't I would say it was an amazing promo, but it was definitely a breakthrough promo for him. He was able to, um, I mean, you know, he repeated himself a few times where he probably shouldn't as maybe a stalling technique, but I, I thought he was overall very good. I thought his intensity was good. Um, I generally liked his performance, but you do have to wonder once he beats the shit out of Enzo and, and, and moves on to... I'm guessing will be a feud with the big show. Um, I mean, yeah, it's really interesting. They actually have stuff lined up for him. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I know for a while they've, they've felt that he's like top guy material. I mean, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think looks wise, he's a little bit thick in the midsection and, and I would, I, I would prefer that not to be the case in far of what Eric Clancy looks for in top guys. That's my personal preference, but um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, like I, he, he's a, he's an okay worker. He's not a great worker. Um, 
It's not bad, you know, but it, he's got size, which is, I understand, that's a premium. Like, everybody doesn't have size, so I, I get it. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's um, it's an interesting situation. But, yeah, no, I, I could see a situation where they both of these guys really suffer without the other. Yeah, I, I think back to some teams in the last few years like Crime Time and the primetime players where they broke those teams up. Granted, they weren't given this type of a segment to execute the breakups, but um, those teams were broken up, and then it was like they didn't know what to do with the individual guys, and they just kind of floundered. It's like, well, why'd you break the team up then? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they need to do I mean, unfortunately, it's that um, Rockers syndrome where they think they're going to get a Shawn Michaels out of it, and that's not necessarily the case, and because it happened that one time doesn't mean that that's the formula. And they've, they've done it for years. I mean, they, they always do that. And, and yeah, there, there are guys that can come out of tag teams and be stars, but you know, it, you, you've hurt the turn because it happens with every team. Like every team's end game is a breakup, you know? And you've also, you've, you've, you're not necessarily finding the right guys because you're either doing it too early you're doing it when it shouldn't be done at all. And yeah, I mean, like I'm not against this per se, but I can see where issues could come up. But um, I like the fact Actually, one I, of my favorite team breakups in like the last 20 years, uh, Booker T and Goldust, because they didn't do a feud. They just kind of were like, Goldust was like, you know what? I'm holding you back. I'm going to step aside and let you flourish. And I kind of like that. Was that in 2003? Uh, 2002, 2003, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um, I also uh, and Daniel Bryan and Kane did that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't always have to go into this direction, but um, I mean, because this match is not even going to be very good, I would I would not think. Um, but yeah, so uh, all right, so we had that. I thought it was a good segment. Um, I thought for the most part the talking segments tonight were generally good. Um, I like this Roman like, Dope. I'll be honest, this was like the best episode of Raw since Mania. Yeah, I mean it wasn't it wasn't great, but yeah, it wasn't like a disaster. Th- there there was not a lot of garbage on it, let's put it that way. Um Yeah, yeah. Like I like the opening with Roman. Um I mean fucking Christ, he's got to be a heel, right? Like that he comes out and he's like like it's so weird to me because they've gotten to this point where now he's like totally just acting like a heel and he's like i'm just gonna i just lost but now i'm gonna be the number one contender and i'm not even gonna refer to this guy by his name and you know i'm a huge dick and the only thing that makes you think that he's not a heel is because cole is like on his side the entire time mm-hmm. and he's like yeah. you know when, when braun comes out later in the show in what was an awesome entrance um He's like, Roman's helpless, Roman's helpless. And that's such a babyface reaction. It's just like, like, I, I don't, you know, it's that. And then the stuff with him going like, um, I respect the Undertaker. I'm like, oh, well, now he's acting like a face. But then he's like, and he respects me because I beat him. And then that's very heelish. And it's like, dude, you know, like, just commit with this dude. And he'll be your superstar babyface because he can work. Uh, he's a much better talker than than he used to be. Just like like get let people get over the hump with it, you know. Yeah, and I've, as we said, with guys like Rock, guys like Edge, you know, a heel turn is a good way to get over that hump. Yeah, 
Um, so, uh, yeah, so I like that segment with him and Samoa Joe. I thought that worked out well. Um, I thought the Miz TV segment was pretty good. Um, I thought Miz did a great job, as he always does. Um, with that, uh, you know, Ambrose, I could, you know, not, 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 not loving too much of Ambrose these days, but I think Miz was great. Um, it's, it's good to see that they're doing something with Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, because, I mean, number one, those guys aren't doing anything. Number two, giving Miz a, an entourage and a stable, I think is a, is a good idea. Uh, so, yeah. And as I, I said I, before, Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas aren't bad. So how do you not have things for them to do? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this gives them something. Maybe you can make a tag team out of them and then give some, some depth to that division. So, um, yeah, I, th- I thought that segment was good. I Like I said, all, all, the, all the talking segments were generally pretty good. I, I, I liked Seth's promo for the most part. And I also thought it was great because Bray Wyatt, who's like the fucking kayfabe worst, is like, he's like, I, I'm not afraid of you. You're you're an idiot. And he's like, we'll see who's an idiot. And then he comes down and then Seth just jumps on him. It's like he is the kayfabe worst wrestler in the history of time. Like, Bray Wyatt is so awful. <sighs> yeah, and it's so weird. Um, I got reminded of, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before, so please stop me. But I recently got reminded of Papa Shango and yes, all the things you have, do but, and, but, but continue. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, God damn, if they just booked Bray Wyatt like Papa Shango, which is a sentence I never thought I would ever say, it's like he'd be gold, but they'd book him like an idiot. So, you know, you get the damaged goods that you have with poor old Husky Harris over there. Yeah. Yeah. I like. It's just like, who takes him seriously? Like, he's just like, I'm scary. And then somebody's like, no, you're not. And he's like, you'll see. And then they wrestle and Bray Wyatt loses. And then he's like, I'm going to refocus and be scary. And they're like, no, you're not. He's like, you'll see. And then he loses. Like, he just loses all the time. It's all he does. Well, let me ask this question. Are there any children in the audience that are legitimately afraid of him? I guess I don't they, know why they just started point. watching like a week ago or something. Yeah. And they don't see him get his ass kicked all the time. Because that's like the benefit of those type of characters is that you get those like, like the Undertaker used to get where the kids would like hide their faces and stuff. And it's kind of, it's cute, but it's also kind of neat too to do that type of stuff. But, and Bray could be that guy, especially if you want to go for that younger audience, but not if you're booking him like that. Well, the problem with Bray, and I feel like I say, I've say i said the problem with Bray a thousand <laughs> times for the past four years, but the problem with Bray is that theoretically it's great because the character is a great idea. Like, he's, he's, you know, he's a good, he's a great performer. He's a great worker. He's great on the mic. He's got all these things going for him, but he just loses all the time. And you can't take him seriously because he's not doing anything. He just says these things. And people like the idea of Bray Wyatt. Like, they don't like what Bray Wyatt actually is. Like, they're like, oh, this could be a great idea. But it's not because it's not executed correctly. Like, it's a great mm-hmm. idea, but, I mean, like, they're not doing much. You know, I'm sorry, they are doing stuff with him. He's losing all the time, forever, to everyone. Like, it's... It's just like I, I, and wrestling fans love like they like 
they're, we're always hopeful. We're always hopeful that, like, oh, they're going to pay this off well and just wait to see where it goes. And we're always, like, you know, for as, as bad of a rap as we get for being negative about things, and granted, that's just because everything ends badly in wrestling. But, you know, there's there's so many times where we're just like, oh, just stick with it. It's going to be blah, blah, blah. Wrestling fans have such hope, and they have for however long with this character that they're going to do something correctly. But their ideas are honestly... Have him get made fun of and beat up by The Rock while he's standing by The Rock so he'll get the rub or, like, lose to Randy Orton after putting bugs on the ground. And that's apparently, like, he's going to be a star now. Like, it's so fucking weird. I want to be in one of those meetings where people are talking and they're like, like, all right, so we're going to do this thing where Bray takes lightning powers and then he loses in the next match. And it's just like, what the fuck, man? Like, what? what is your goal here with this guy? You, you know what made Kane so effective? And it's such a simple thing. He beat the shit out of people. And you thought of him as being unbeatable, so by the time he gets to Undertaker, even though Taker beat him at Mania, um, you had already built him up as, like, this seemingly invincible force, so the loss didn't hurt him that much. But... Bray was a loser before he got to Undertake, so fuck it. It's like the whole thing's just screwed from square one. Yeah, it's... it's. I, I don't know. They they pick their guys that are just going to win and beat people, and the guys that they have for that, like this generation of guys, is Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns and Finn Balor, and, and it's... it's Seemingly Bray Wyatt, but, like, the other guys all beat everyone else. Like, Roman wins all the time, uh, and even when he's not, he's super protected. Seth um, generally wins all the time, um, unless it's, like, some screwy-like thing, or if he's the heel, then then he goes over with a screwy thing. Um, Bray is not, and it's not, like, they never give Bray, like, squash wins. They never give him, like matches that he just beats people in, you know? Like, like they're doing that with Finn now. Like, Finn's in that segment where he's just like, yeah, he's just going to beat people, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Bray ha- has either not had that or hasn't had it in forever. I mean, I remember when they first brought him up and he, he beat, like, R-Truth and he feuded with Kane for a while. And he was actually beating people for a little bit. And then they, they, they put him in a feud with, with uh, Brian and Punk. And then eventually with Brian and you no, know, the Cena feud, like we, we all say, oh, that was that was you know terrible and stuff. But theoretically, he could have recovered from that if he didn't just lose to every human being on the planet after that. Yeah, I feel like that happens a lot. They like build a guy up to Cena, and then after Cena's done with them, they're like, okay. I mean, look at Rusev. Yeah. Yeah. There's just well, that they... attitude. It's like, all right, we got Cena's past the turtle. Now it's like. Eh. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then they don't put much thought into it. Well, that's, that's that old school. It's so funny what Vince is old school about and what he isn't old school about. Because, like, the old school mentality is, like, you build up the monster and then your top face, like, beats him. But then you don't have anything else to do with the monster. Which is, like, I, I get I get it if it's, like, you could move him from territory to territory and stuff. And right. keep him fresh, but you can't. So you got to adapt to that. Um, and they've never really adapted to that television era. They, they've never adapted to the fact that we got to find something to do for these guys after this match happens, you know? 
And, I mean, part of that's because they don't have enough dudes, and it's all the same guys fighting each other week in and week out, and, like, I don't know. There, there's so many there's so many things wrong with how the business is structured right now. Absolutely, yeah. Um, all right. What do we got? Uh, uh, I, love, I thought the Samoa Joe-Roman Reigns was a really good match. I thought it was, like, one of Samoa Joe's best matches since... That um, might be his best match since coming to the main roster. Yeah. And I Maybe think... Maybe the Lesnar feud got him motivated because he seems to be trying harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, too. I think the, the, the Lesnar feud has, has motivated him. And I also think it's motivated me as a person because as much shit as I've given Samoa Joe since he's come to WWE, but, like, that's a match I'm super interested in because they never do that match. They've never, I mean, I guess kind of Undertaker, but they've never done, like, Brute versus Brute with with uh, Brock. Oh, I'm sorry, they have. They've done it They've done it with Roman, and they've done it with Undertaker. But, and Goldberg. Like, yeah, okay, so I guess they do it a lot, but it's guys you'd expect them to do it with. So Samoa Joe is like a breath of fresh air for that role. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's it's a match we didn't see 16 years ago. Cool. Exactly. There we go. So it's a fresh, it's a fresh main event matchup. And like, like you and I always say, you know. Um, by the way, can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you. Okay, my AC is like blaring on me, so I didn't know if it was reflected in the microphone. Um, you know, like, once again, the reason Roman, I'm sorry, not Roman, Brock is fresh is because he's not on the damn show every week, you know? Uh, it, it's the if easy only way the to... other guys would benefit from that book. Well, there was, uh, I, I've heard that the reason Roman and Finn weren't on last week is because they're trying to, to spread out the use of, of certain faces. I, I think that's a fucking great idea. Have Long overdue. Yeah. Ha, rotate them out. One week, make sure... One week have Seth on, then one week have Roman on, one week have Finn on, and do it like that. My God, like, just having guys not there for two weeks would make it seem so much more fresh. Yeah, and and it allows angles like the Enzo and Cass angle to kind of dominate the show. Normally that type of angle, like a tag team breakup, wouldn't be the dominant angle of a show, but... Um, and guess it what? It like the ratings went up, and yeah, I know they weren't against like basketball and stuff, but it didn't even really matter. So it's like, like if you can do this, I mean, you're hitting record low ratings anyway. So these guys aren't helping. Like I, I want to point that out, they're not helping in the ratings. It, it doesn't matter. So why don't you fucking throw some shit around and see what happens? Because it's not like, oh man, we're putting them all out there. You're putting everybody you have out there. And it's not working. So you got to try something else. So it can't just be the fact that, like, wrestler A equals this amount of ratings. Like, it doesn't work like that. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, there's interesting things. Like, the Samoa Joe Brock Lesnar brawl had a lot of uh, hit um, views on YouTube. And, yeah, that's going to seem, you know, special. And I would argue that that's because, number one, it's something we hadn't seen before. Number two... Brock Lesnar is kept fresh by his infrequent appearances. So so I think those factor into it hugely as well. I mean, you've got to look at things. You've got to be creative. You've got, I'm sorry, creative team. You've got to be creative, you know? Yeah, I mean, we say it all the time, but look at what NXT does with their show. I don't see the same people every week on that show. Yeah. 
Yeah. Alistair Black is one of the most inter- interesting characters in WWE right now, and all he's done—I don't even know if he's a face or a heel. He just kills people. He's had like three matches, and he just like and he appears every once in a while. But like, the, there's only like you said, there, you can't dedicate every show to every character. Like, no, this show needs to be like it, it's like Game of Thrones. You get the Jamie Lannister heavy episode one time. You get the um, the Arya heavy episode the next week. You know, you you can't you can't like. You can't have everybody on there every week and expect people not to get stale. Like, I go back to this, and it's just amazing to see how things have changed. Um, and I've said this multiple times before, but if you haven't heard this, I, I think it's just so fascinating. When Eric Bischoff was was uh, in 1997, they're like, you got to do a second show, you got to do a second show, and he held off as long as he could. Then finally they threw thunder on him, and he said, you know, we didn't we didn't have enough talent uh, to do a two-hour show on Monday and then for them not to get overexposed on th- on, on Thursday. And I was like, like, can you fucking imagine? Like, nobody's ever uttered those words in WWE. Nobody thought about overexposing the talent, diluting the brand. It's amazing. It, and it's like, to me, like, a lot of people will say, like, oh, well, that, that's just such a corporate mentality. No, a corporate mentality is squeezing every last bit of juice you can while just killing... While, while killing the overall product, like like anything to make to make shares go just a penny or two higher, while not looking at the overall state of the company, and and you've got to lengthen these guys' careers. You've got to lengthen our interest in them. Otherwise, we're bored of them in the in the first like three months because they've done everything that you can do. And like I I don't know if in a three hour world that they're ever going to be able to do that just because of the. The, the the money that USA pays them. And if they take a hit on that, it's going to be hard to tell stockholders, well, we did that because we don't want to do this, this, or this. People are not going to be happy with that. And, I mean, it's one of the reasons why going public, I always think, is one of the worst things WWE ever did from a fan perspective. Um, I mean, obviously not from a financial perspective. They're making bank. But, um, I mean, from my perspective, it, it certainly has hurt things. Oh, you could see it, like, right after they did it. You could see the immediate changes, like, it, to the overall presentation, to the style and everything. It was, it, yeah, and we're living in that world now, so. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, anything else we should talk about? Oh, Money in the Bank, right? Money in the Bank. Um, That was a weird show. I didn't see it. Yeah, it was a lot of screwy finishes on it. It was really strange. Like, it's almost like, I don't want to say it felt like Russo booked it, but. There, there are a lot of, like, really kind of screwy, hippy-dippy finishes. Yeah, I mean, I was aware of the – I saw the results, obviously. Um, um, Corbin didn't – I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say, like, oh, I saw that coming. It was predictable because I don't, I don't mean it to be. But, like, like that, that seems like something that they've been wanting to do for a while. Yeah, putting him in that spot. Was it you who told me that one of the planned Mania main events for next year is Orton versus Corbin? Yes, that's one of their big. Corbin and Orton are going to get programmed at some point. Um, he was initially supposed to be Orton's like SummerSlam feud. Obviously, that's not going to happen anymore since Jinder has the title. Um, but uh, yeah, he was. They the Corbin's supposed to be their next big heel. On well, if the Jinder Mahal matches are any indication, I wouldn't put Corbin anywhere near Orton because he's just boring as shit. Yeah, yeah. It, like, he's so boring that the idea of Jinder Mahal as WWE champion doesn't seem that bad. Because it's like, well, at least it's not on Orton. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think that's, that's, yeah. Also, why is Mike Bennett's name Mike Canellis? I think they're trying to do a thing where Maria wears the pants in the family, and so they're doing that. He took her last name. Oh, okay. I mean, that's fine. I don't have an issue with it. I guess my issue is that they're going to make him a heel because of that. It was weird. See, I'm not – it's only been one segment, so I don't want to judge it too harshly. I'm not sure what they're going for. It seems like they're – their heat is coming from the fact that they love each other, which I'm like. I always I always thought that was like WWE cast people that have friends are in love, or like aren't assholes as villains. It's weird. It's really strange. Yeah. It's like they're basically based on what I saw at the pay per view. It looks like they're doing the you're schmoopy, no you're schmoopy from Seinfeld. And I'm like, okay, yeah. that's at worst mildly annoying, but it's not like ah fuck those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, why does fucking Mike Bennett go go straight to the main roster, but, like, I don't know, like, uh, Drew McIntyre and Bobby Roode and shit go to NXT? I think because of Maria. I think they wanted Maria on the show. And that was kind of like, all right, well, if you want Maria, you got to bring Mike up because, you know, they're kind of a set package at this point. Yeah, so weird. Um... Uh, well, I guess they're getting behind Brizango because they got a pay-per-view win. They did, yeah. It was kind of a squash match win, too. I mean, it was just a filler match that they threw out there, but it's like, oh, look at that, Brizango. Yeah. I think they realized, it's like, oh, hey, they're getting over. They've got a t-shirt now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, that's about it. What else are we going to talk about from this show? Um, Carmella won the women's money in the bank. And like a really kind because of, of James way. Ellsworth. I like they're like we're gonna address that. I'm like it's no DQ. What do you like? What are you gonna do? <laughs> Actually, later in the show during the Divas title match, or sorry, SmackDown Women's title match, they uh, they teased that Carmella was gonna cash in, and she didn't. And I'm like, actually, it would have made more sense if she cashed in just to prevent any kind of like, okay, we're gonna investigate this, and Daniel Bryan's gonna like potentially pull it away from her or whatever. It's like, yeah. no, just go ahead and cash it in now and, and you know, just use it, steal it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, did you happen to see the uh, table for three with with um, Bischoff, Cornette, and Michael Hayes? I did. That was really interesting. I thought so, too. Yeah, it's, it's weird to see Cornette and Bischoff, like, sitting across the table talking to each other. Well, I thought it was, um, I mean, you know, and, and Bischoff can be an asshole, but oh, I, I thought, I mean, that's, yeah, I, I thought it was an interesting point where he's like, I mean, like, I didn't do those things you said I did. And like, you know, and Cornette's like, if Cornette's your friend, it doesn't matter like what you did, you're fine. Like, but if Cornette didn't like you, you're a piece of shit and someone was going to kick your ass or, you know, like, like it's, that, that's how he is. So. He's always like all or nothing. It's very rarely does like he does he like take a a, a, a metered, measured <laughs> response to things, which I guess is why you know his shoot interviews do so well. But you know, oh, he's um, my favorite person on shoot interviews. It's like, all yeah. right, what kind of rant is Timmy going to go on now? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's more exciting than if somebody has like a reasoned response, but in like a conversation, like when you're actually talking about things and looking at their merits might not be what you want. Um, 
So yeah, no, I enjoyed that too. Um, I, I've actually never seen any of the other tables of threes. Um, I saw the AJ, Sean, and Nash one. That was pretty interesting. Okay, huh. Yeah, really interesting group. And, of course, they had to talk about, it's like, all right, AJ versus Sean, what would that match be like if it ever happened? And they actually said it was pretty interesting. They said that match would actually be harder to do than, because, say, because AJ, AJ versus... Because, yeah, because, because Sean prefers working against big men. Right, right. And Sean said that. It's like, I'd have an easier time working with Nash, and AJ would have an easier time working with Nash than we would against each other because we'd have to go completely balls to the walls to make it work. Yeah. Yes, I, I know. I know his preference for for who he likes to work with. Um, and he's not wrong. I mean, as far as like being able to work with big men, I mean, Sean might be the best. Yeah. That. No, he liked it because he could just he could bounce around like a super ball. He could do. He could tell more stories that way. I mean, think about think about Sean's uh, best matches. There was like Undertaker and Razor and Diesel and. And, and guys like that. And, like, you know, it was with him and Brett, yeah, it worked, but, like, I mean, Brett's also pretty freaking great. I'm sure the AJ match would be good, but, like, you look at other matches that, that, that Sean had with, with guys. Well, first of all, he didn't have too many matches with guys smaller than him just because of the error. So who knows how that yep. would work with AJ. Um I mean, you know, they were good. I mean, his match, like his match with Jarrett, was really good. Um, uh, he had some but, good, you know, really good matches with Jericho. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Jericho's heavier than he is, so even then, it's like. Um, <laughs> I mean, his matches with Kid never really like um, were never really amazing, you know. I don't think I ever saw him work with Kid. There's a Raw match from the fall of '93. I want to say like October '93. Okay, it's so right I probably after he, saw it, I just don't remember it. Yeah, it's right after he comes back, and it kind of sets the seeds for the Razor stuff. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, but it's... Oh, yeah, and there's another one. There's another one in, like, February 96, too. And that's after Kid Turned Heel, right? Yeah, so it's, it's Sean as number one contender working with Heel Kid, and... I mean, it's fine, but it's just like, you know, Sean's best when he bumps around, and it's kid bumping around for Sean, so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, didn't Sean also mention, like, when he worked with Mr. Perfect, and you would think that those two would just tear it down, but they were too busy bumping for each other that nobody yeah, they, really got over? Yeah, he says that in his book, and it's true. Like, that SummerSlam 93 match is just like, what? It's just like they're just bumping for Like, you need somebody else to, like, you need somebody to make those bumps something because it's just two guys selling for each other all the time and it kind of sucks um <laughs> yeah i mean that's why I like like you know i mean and there are matches that are probably overrated but the triple h stuff work well because just triple h like beating the shit out of him and he's like bumping around for him so but oh their SummerSlam match was great yeah so um all right what do we got anything else or are we good uh, no, uh, I'll just advise you, get caught up on Lucha Underground and watch Dominion. Uh, Omega versus Okada 2 was awesome. All right, I will. Was it better than the first one? Some people are saying it is. I'd say it's at least as good. It's at okay. least as good. It's it's debatable, which is more than I expected, to be honest. Okay. Because I was like, how do you top that? Yeah. All right. Well, then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. We always... 
appreciate your support. But for now, this is Mr. Clancy and Mr. Patrick Kelly, and we are signing off. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.